Living room, how are you guys feeling tonight? You feeling pretty good? Fantastic. This is incredible. Um, as Brad said, my name is Patrick, but I kind of feel like the new kid, like, sneaking up on something that he had no idea was going on, because this is, uh, this is really amazing. How many of you guys come pretty, pretty frequently? Anybody come? This is, this is awesome. When I was in college, we didn't really have anything quite like this. In fact, I went to a, a, a Christian school, which we'll get into in a second, and we had, like, just the old church organ kind of services. Did anybody grow up in a church like that? Few of you, okay, because you know, okay, you know what I'm talking about. Cool. Uh, well, we are uh, we are wrapping up a series tonight called the Search, and uh, what we're gonna, what we've been doing over the last uh, several weeks is we've been tackling some really big questions that we feel like every college student uh, at some point or another is gonna run into at some point in their life, um, and then really just every person who lives as you move on into you know you know older adulthood, people in their 40s, 50s, these are questions that every single person at some point or another is gonna have to is gonna have to talk about, gonna have to think through, and. And, uh, and do that sort of thing. And so what we've been doing here at the living room is we've been sort of unpacking that. And not that we have all the answers, because we really don't have all the answers. But these have been some things that we've been thinking about and trying to just spark discussion and, uh, and help you sort of think through some of this. And so tonight what we're going to do is we're going to wrap up the series uh, with a really great question tonight. And I'm excited about talking about it. But before we do, uh, I know that you guys really don't know me at all. So I figured I'd give you a little bit of insight uh, into me. So the first thing that I'll, uh, I'll tell you about um, is I actually, I said, I told you, I went to uh, Lee University, um, which is is a really uh, fairly, like a pretty fairly small school uh, right outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, so that's where I went. Uh, that's where I went to college. And it's so interesting because if you sort of look at schools and this sort of thing, you can tell kind of how big of a school is by like their mascot. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like bigger schools have cool mascots. Like we'll kind of put this up here. Georgia Tech, right? Let's, let's throw those. Yeah. Yeah. Tech fan. There it is. All right. So this is like an insanely intense, even though he's smiling, he's going to kill you, right? This is an awesome, like, bee. You know what I mean? Like, so the bee comes at you, and it's like a killer bee. He will take you down. Now, I'm a Clemson fan, right? I grew up in Anderson, South Carolina. Sorry. Um, the tiger can still k- kill the bee, but I'm just saying, this is still a fairly intimidating, you know, sort of mascot. You know, the next one, we'll throw this up here. This is probably one of my favorites. You know, UGA Bulldog. Hey, Bulldog. All right, some of you here. Some of you here. All right, so the Bulldogs, right? I got bit by a dog one time. It hurt because it was in the butt, but, I mean, it, it was... Yeah, this is sort of an intimidating thing, too, right? I mean, this is a good, solid, you know, mascot. You know, the next one, you know, some of you guys might be here. Georgia State? There's a lot of you. Now, I'll just tell you, holy cow. You know what I mean? Like, this is incredible. I and mean, that's an intimidating, like, the panther. The panther, am I right? Is it a panther? Blue, blue panther. All right, Georgia State, blue panther. This is an intense, this is an intense mascot. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you don't know Lee, which I know you don't know Lee, right? Lee University, right? Smaller school, whole mascot thing. Somebody who was brilliant, not brilliant, decided to come up with the Lee University Flames, right? Now, how anticlimactic is that? Are you going to play a sport? Who are you playing tonight? Lee University. What's their you know, mascot? The Flames. What? What? Like, we're going to third degree burn you? Like, what's the big deal with that? Like, Lee University Flames, that's not, that's not a great thing. But this is where I went to school. Lee University, I went to college there. Now, when I was there, I'll tell you real quick. I am, um, my mom told me as a kid, this is a true story. My mom told me as a kid that I would find, if I could find a really, really pretty girl in the library, then she was going to be my wife. I mean, that's just kind of how that worked because she would be smart and she would be disciplined and whatever. So I was at the library one night and, uh, <laughs> true story, she was with another guy. Yeah, and she was studying for exam week, which kind of took out the whole, like, you know, I'm consistently at the library sort of thing. So I'm sitting, I'm sitting at the library, kind of reading, or really trying to pick up girls. I'm that lame, right? So I'm there, doing that sort of thing, and I meet this girl. She's with another guy, but she came by, she talked to me, and I swiped her right out from underneath the other guy. And this is her right there. This is Emily Chenoweth, uh, and she's Emily Chenoweth for now, because we just got engaged a couple months ago, back in May. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Right? So, so we're getting engaged. So this is me and this is Emily. And so, and what's really cool, and I was talking to Brad about this earlier, Emily actually used to work here at the living room. So when she graduated college, she moved to Atlanta. A really cool story, but she ended up working here um, at the living room. And so, so this is, this is sort of, you know, my life right now, wedding planning and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, so me and Emily, so I, I went to school uh, at the university. Now, before I went to college, I grew up, I told you, in a small town uh, in, in, uh, in Anderson, South Carolina is where I grew up. So it was kind of close to Clemson, Anderson, Greenville. And I told you that I sort of went to like smaller churches growing up. Like I'm the kid who went to church, you know, from the time I was really little and, and everything like that. And the churches that I grew up in, they weren't quite like this. I mean, this, like this, you know, we just didn't have that kind of stuff. And so I went to these sort of smaller kind of churches. Now, if you know anything about smaller churches, you you kind of know that sometimes there's a lot of really great things that happen there. But then there's times where, you know, things happen and you're like, what? You know, like that sort of thing. And so we, we would go and every year, it was weird that it was every year, but it was once a year, we would do this big service and it was like Mission Sunday or like Missions Week. Did anybody grow up in a church that did like a Mission Sunday? Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. Now here's the thing about Mission Sunday. This is the one Sunday every year that we would do a stage design. Now our stage design ended up just being about a hundred flags, right? So they just lined the back of the stage with all of these massive, you know, sort of flags, which I guess is cool, but if you're like never been to church before, you walk in, you're like, I'm at the United Nations. Like, I don't, I don't really know what that is. And so there's all these flags. And so as I was growing up as a little kid, I'd go to Mission Sunday. And it was always like one or the other. We'd bring in a guest speaker and they'd talk about what God was doing, you know, all over the world. And so it was either, and it's kind of weird and it sounds lame, like I'm poking fun. I'm really not trying to, kind of. But there's a, there was a guy they would bring in that would be like the person from another country, like on the other side of the world who was doing some amazing things, but just didn't speak any English. So they would put him and a translator together. And then they would just kind of do a, a missions type service that way. And this person would talk all about what was going on in their ministry on the other side of the world. It was either that, or they would bring in, now I want you to picture this, you know, smaller old church, old ladies, you know, hair in a bun, like this sort of thing. They're either that or try to be like hip. And they would bring in like a, a hippie with long dreads and this sort of thing, like a white dude that hadn't, you know, just washed his hair in five years, right? It was that sort of thing. And then he would begin to talk about a lot of stuff that he was doing. He just he didn't need a translator. So he would talk through all this kind of stuff. And as they talked through this stuff, now I'm, I'm again, my personality is probably a little cynical, even as a little kid. I would sit there and I would hear them talk, right? And they would start these talks off with these incredible, incredible stories. And then they would, you know, raise this big tension about what was going on 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 the other side of the world and as they were doing that you know i would kind of look at the pictures and i'm i mean i'm human right so i would be totally emotionally just connected to what was happening and as they talked and then they would go into all of these stats about what was going on on the other side of the world and all these sort of big stats now what's interesting is this kind of stuff still happens today today these sort of things still go on all over church today and i think it's a really really great thing but if people if people talk about it today i just want to show you a couple of stats that they would be talking about if they were in a mission service. These are some of the stats that people would talk about if they were doing this today, right? Over 1.4 billion, right? Not million. We're talking 1.4 billion. This is Bill Gates kind of money. 1.4 billion people in the developing world live below the poverty line. If you're not familiar with what the poverty line is, I wasn't really familiar with what it was either. $1.25 per day. That's 1.4 billion people. And for those of you who like fact checkers, Right here the whole time. There you go. So that's what we're going to do, right? 1.4 billion people. Now, here's the thing. You see a stat like that, and you're like me because you're human, and you see this, and there's something inside of you, and there's something inside of me that says, you know what? That doesn't need to happen. That's a big 
big, big problem that doesn't need to be anymore. And there's something inside of all of us that just sort of rises up. And this needs to change. I'm going to show you another one. Let me show you this one. Right. Haiti, right? So if you go, if you're going to take that whole like 1.4 billion, you focus it in on one place to talk about Haiti, between 7 and 8 million of their total population, which is 10 million people, live below the poverty line. I want you to think about that for a second. That means 70 to 80% of the people that live in Haiti live with under a dollar 25 per day. That's, that's crazy. This is a big problem. This shouldn't be. We go on. Let me show you another one. Right? An estimated 130 million of the world's 15 to 24-year-olds cannot read or write. Now, think about this. Right? We have iPhones and iPods and iPads. And if you're a Christian, you have something with an I in it because you don't use PCs. Right? You have all this kind of stuff. Right? Kidding-ish. Right? And so there's this. You think about this. Now, think, think. We get our information from so many different types of places. But there are 130 million people, right, between 15 and 24, who even if they had an iPhone, even if they had access to all the information, they couldn't really process it because they can't read and write. They have trouble with communication. Now think about that. That is a huge, huge problem. We'll go to the next one. This is the one that just, mm, this is the one. 27 million men, women, and children are victims of human trafficking at any given time, right? This was just put out uh, by the U.S. State Department. Now, now think about this. Human trafficking, if you're not familiar with this, we're talking about slavery, right? And out of this, this is crazy. If you kind of look at the report, you should look at it. And out of this, there's a huge percentage of women who are being sexually exploited through this slavery. Now, that's a big, big problem that needs to be solved. We'll go on. This is one more. This one's going to feel kind of weird as we read it, but uh, hopefully I'll explain it a little bit. Approximately 2.5 billion people in the world do not have access to a formal financial account at a financial institution. Now, this seems like a, why would they need that? But think about this. On the other side of the globe or even, you know, all these different places, there are a lot of people with great ideas, great entrepreneurs who could do incredible things that have zero access to the funds needed just to start something great 2.5 billion people in the world do not have access to getting a loan and it's not because they're not disciplined i mean some of them maybe not but this it's, it's that they end up having it when i was reading about this they, they have other ways to save and put aside but they don't have access to the money <laughs> they don't have access to funds they don't have access to loans and this is a big problem that needs to be solved and so i'd go to these services and these guys would stand up and the hippie guy or the translator guy and they talk about problems like this and i would i would i would i would sit there with my mom as like an elementary school you know middle school be totally engaged i'd be totally just emotionally there with the person but there was something inside of me when it came to my action that just kind of closed up i thought you know what i just i don't know about acting on it I was, I was very emotionally engaged with it all. But as I moved forward, it was like I became more and more emotionally engaged with these kind of statistics. I became more and more emotionally engaged with the pictures of children on the other side of the world who were going hungry. I was very emotionally engaged in these types of things. But there was something inside of me, I didn't know what it was, that was just closed off to getting involved or being active in some of these kind of problems. And I'll tell you what happened. I went to a conference. Has anybody ever been to a passion conference? Anybody ever gone? Yeah. So you're in Atlanta. Big shout out. Woo-hoo. 
yeah. All right, let me tell you. I went to Passion, and I was, I was really excited. It was the first time I went. I wasn't a college student, so I cheated, I guess. Uh, but I went, and so I'm there at Passion, and I'm with a couple of friends, uh, Billy Phoenix and Joy Phoenix and Emily and I. We're all kind of there together. And so we go to the service, and, you know, Tomlin plays. All the music's awesome. You know, Lou, I think Louie spoke that night. It was great. The end of it, though, we kind of sneaked down. We sort of snuck out a little bit, you know, before it, uh, the service actually ended. And so we sneaked down to this area. Um, and this, I guess it was about three years ago. But they had this huge conference hall. And all throughout this conference hall, they had these, like, different parts of the conference hall that were just sort of sectioned off. And they had these incredible displays of things just to raise awareness about what was going on, right? So they would have a huge display that sort of talked about clean water. They'd have a huge display that sort of talked about, you know, just all different types of stuff. And so we were kind of walking through this. And and the first thing that you think is just like, holy cow, like these displays are so well done. They're amazing. There's great information in them. I was just so engaged kind of hearing these stories. And then we sort of broke off, right? And, and, and so Emily and I sort of went one direction. Billy and Joy went another direction. And then eventually Emily and I kind of went, you know, our separate ways. Not for real, but just for a minute. And so we go and we go into this place. And I'll never forget this. This is amazing. It's kind of one of those big moments where you're like, Whew. This is a big one. So we go, and I think they have a picture of it. And this doesn't really quite do it justice. But they had this display that focused on uh, sex trafficking, right? So these are the women that are in slavery, and it's specific about uh, sexual exploitation. I'll tell you, we're walking through, and I'm kind of, you know, just my personality. I'm walking through. I'm very, again, emotionally engaged in it. But just, again, when it comes to action, I just wasn't quite there yet. So I'm walking through, and I get to this one girl's story, right? And it's, it's just kind of there. And I'm kind of reading through it and looking at some of it. I'll tell you, I'm reading it. I'm just like, holy cow. And I don't know what happened inside of me. I can't really explain it. It's kind of a weird thing. But I just, in that moment, started to man cry. You know what I'm talking about? You don't want anybody to see you. It's like that moment, you know, God was <laughs> making some noises, you know, like, you know, I hope Emily wasn't around. So I'm just looking at this and something just broke. And there was something inside of me in that moment where I was so incredibly emotionally engaged in what was going on. But at the same time, and it frustrated me no end, there was something that had just closed off to me when it came to action. And I couldn't explain. I couldn't figure out what it was. So I left the Passion Conference, ended up going and talking to a friend. And my friend looks at me, and I'm explaining it mostly, you know, totally mostly there. I just can't figure out a way to act. And he goes, you know what? I think there's a problem with how you're feeling. I'm like, well, okay, talk a little bit more. And he goes, let me tell you, I think you just feel a little overwhelmed by the whole thing. I'm like, I'm a guy. I don't feel overwhelmed. I don't do that. And he's like, no, no. I think you're overwhelmed. And as I began to think more and more about it, as I began to think more and more about it, I came to the conclusion that there was something inside of me that saw just the magnitude of these problems, that saw just how big these problems actually were. And then I saw what I could contribute to these problems. And when I looked at how big the problem was versus my contribution, I just, I didn't want to start acting until I knew that what I could do was going to be significant and actually matter. And so I'm reading this girl's story, totally emotionally engaged, totally there. Like, I want to do something, but I, there's just something inside me that says, I'm not going to act until, until I know what I can do is going to be significant towards that problem. Now, I think we have a slide, and we're going to throw this up here. I think there's probably a large portion of us. We'll, let's skip a couple more. Sorry. I don't have it on the back. So let, let's go just a couple more real quick. I think we got maybe one or two. Sorry. Right? This is what I felt. I was completely emotionally engaged with what was happening. But I had limited action. 
right? There was something inside of me that felt incredibly, incredibly, incredibly overwhelmed by the magnitude of the problem. There was something inside of me that felt so overwhelmed by my contribution because it would be so small. And I looked at this whole thing and I'm like, you know what? I am fully engaged emotionally, but my action is going to be limited until I feel like what I can do is going to be significant towards this problem. And there was something inside of me that just closed off and said, you know what? I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait until I can make sure that my portion of this or my contribution to this is actually going to be significant and matter. Now, let me tell you something real quick. Some of you are probably a little bit like pushing back just a little bit, which I totally get, right? You're pushing back a little bit because you know what? You think I, I am engaged in some of it. And a lot of you are. And some of you think, you know what? I am very much engaged in what's going on in the world. I'm aware of the stats and, and you, that's just you. But here's the question that I want to ask you. And I think we can put this up. Uh, you guys, might just follow me just for a second. The question that I would ask you, right, if, if that's you, you're like, you know, I feel like I am engaged. The question is, what are you currently doing that is trying to solve one of the world's big problems? How are you right now engaged in what's going on worldwide? And if your answer to that, if you're honest, honest, honest answer to that, you know what, I am engaged a little bit, but I'm not engaged to the point that I know I should be. Or if there's something inside of you where you're like, you know what, I, if I'm going to be honest, I'm not engaged at all, right? Then we have to tackle that and we have to figure out exactly what that is. And I think a lot of you maybe feel that way because you feel overwhelmed, right? You look at your, you look at what you can contribute. You look at what you can actually offer to the problem and you just feel overwhelmed. Let's jump to that next one real quick. You just feel overwhelmed. Now, here's what we're going to do tonight, and I'm just going to tell you real quick. We're just going to spend a little bit of time tackling uh, this through a passage of Scripture. Now, if you read your Bible and you're familiar with the Bible, you're very familiar with the guy that I'm going to talk about. This guy's name is Paul, and if you're not familiar with his story at all, you should just go read parts of the New Testament, because it's one of the most interesting stories there is, because the way that the church got started is Paul was sort of around a group of people who got the church going, and so they were all talking about, you know, should we, should we make this for the whole world, or should this be specifically for a group of people? You know, the Jewish people, what are we going to do? And they're sort of arguing and fighting about this whole thing. What are we going to do? And Paul is kind of, you know, just the blunt dude. He's like, yeah, yeah, you guys should keep talking about that. I'm going to just start going and planting churches all over the place. See ya. And he sort of walks away and he does just that, right? Paul starts planting all of these churches all over the ancient world. And as he would do it, they would get a lot of these new converts to Christianity. But because they were new converts, they, didn't, they, they were still struggling through their faith. And so as you read through the New Testament, you find all of these letters that Paul began to write to this group of people and, and to all these different types of people uh, that he had started the church with. And one of these groups of people that he started the uh, church in was in an area of the world called Galatia. And this group of people uh, was very, very interesting because they had a lot of different types of influences around them. And the influences they had around them were either pulling them towards Judaism at the time and away from Christianity, or they were pulling them into this, this pagan type lifestyle where they just very much focused on themselves and were very, 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 very selfish. And so Paul, in this context of this group of new believers in Galatia, begins to write to them, and he writes specifically about what it looks like to do good. And as we approach it tonight, for us, what it looks like to sort of overcome that whole thing of, I want to be significant, I want it to matter. And so Paul sort of starts off, and here's what he says to this group of people in Galatians chapter 6. He says, let us, right, talking to this group of people in Galatia, let us not become weary and doing good, right? So Paul says this, Paul says, don't, don't become weary. Now, as you translate this throughout the New Testament, weary right here literally means, or not literally, but it's, it's translated a lot of times as don't give up, right? So Paul says this, let us not give up when it comes to doing good. Let us not get to the point where we give up and doing good. And he continues on and he says this, 
It says, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not, and he does it again, if we do not give up. So Paul writes to this group of people, and what's so interesting to me is he says this, don't give up on doing good. Don't give up on doing what you can do. Don't give up on doing what it is that you can contribute. Don't give up in doing good. But this verse right here is what's so interesting. It says, for at the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now, what this does, right? You read this, you kind of gloss over it quickly. But as Paul's talking about it, he's saying, listen, at the proper time, the proper time isn't in your hands. The proper time isn't in my hands. It wasn't in this group of people's hands. Paul's saying, you need to do what you got to do. You need to do good. You need to do your portion and you need to contribute. But it's not up to you to make this whole thing significant. It's not up to you to take your contribution and make it blow up and do incredibly big things. Paul is saying at the proper time, that part is up to God. God is the one who takes our contribution and makes it big and solves problems. It's not us because the truth is this, right? If you had all the money that you made over the course of your lifetime, it would be very, very difficult for you and you alone to solve any one of these problems. But if you contribute what you contribute and we all contribute what we contribute, Paul is saying it's not up to you to make it big. God's the one who's going to make it big. For those of us who sort of wait and wait and wait until what we can do can actually be significant or we feel like it's going to be significant, Paul says, no, that's not up to you. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now, what he says next, I think is so interesting. And I think it speaks specifically to you as a college student and me as as a young 20-something. It speaks specifically to us because of the life stage that we're in. He goes on and he says this. He says, therefore, as we have opportunity, or this word literally means time, As we have the time, as you have the margin, as you can do what you can do, therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Now, here's what's so interesting. This isn't something you would think that you would see in the Bible. Because as I read something like this, I would expect the Bible to say, you know what, you need to give away all, all, everything, and then just go and just do. Paul's like, no, no, no. As you have the opportunity or as as you have the time, Right? As you have the margin to do what you can do in the season of life that you're in, in the stage of life that you're in, as you have the opportunity, the time, and the margin, then do good to all people. See, as you talk to college, I talk to college students, and, and as I think about myself, I look at what I can contribute, and I have limited time, and I have limited resources, and I just have limited opportunity to do big things. But as long as I'm waiting until my contribution can be big, there's going to be a problem. And Paul knows that. And in a very weird sort of way, in a very unexpected sort of way for the Bible, he says, look, I know that everybody is unique and everybody is different and everybody is at a different point of life. So therefore, as you have the time and the margin and the opportunity, do good for those. That you can do it for. Now we're going to go on. This is going to be sort of the bottom line, the memorable thing we want you to remember, and it's this. This is what Paul's saying. Do what you can do for those that you can do it for. With the margin that you have, with the time that you have, with, it, with, with, with what you can do, do good to those that you can do it for. Within what you can do, do what you can do for those that you can do it for. Now let me just tell you real quick. Some of you, you're in college and you look at your money now and you're like, when I was in elementary school getting an allowance, I made more money. That's some of you right now. And you look at some of these big problems, you're like, you know what? I don't even know how I could really make a dent. And Paul's like, you know what? It's not about how big that contribution is. It's about the fact that you were willing to take a step 
to contribute. And when you do that, Paul's like, at the proper time, God is the one who takes his contributions and makes them significant. God is the one who takes our small steps and makes them big. See, as long as you wait, as long as I wait, until our contribution can be these huge contributions, until we make our millions of dollars, which a lot of you Georgia Tech guys are going to do, right? As long as you can do that, right? If we're waiting for that, Paul's like, you know what? Even if you did that, if you had all the money, if you had all that, are you really going to solve these problems? No, not on your own. It's God who takes every single one of our contributions and does significant things through it. And the challenge for us is that we just have to take that first step and actually contribute. Some of you, I've asked the question earlier, some of you, you're like, I'm a Christian. I just, when it comes to the whole worldwide thing, I just, I'm not involved. And if you were completely honest, you would say, you know what, I'm, I am just not involved. And I would just ask you, like, what would it look like if you evaluated your life right now and the margin that you had, the resources that you had, the opportunities that you had, you say, you know what, I'm going to contribute what I can right now and then just trust God to do something significant. See, that's the key to getting over the overwhelming part is taking the responsibility of making it big and significant off yourself and trusting God to make that big. And so here's what we're going to do. We have some great opportunities here in the living room. And I just want to present a couple of these to you tonight. And, and some of you are like, you're looking for that next step and you're trying to figure out what that next step is specifically for you. And Brad actually mentioned these a little bit ago. And the first one is this. We'll talk through some of these uh, together. The first one is this. You, you can just get involved in a mission trip, right? We have some mission trips coming up uh, pretty soon. This would be an incredibly, incredibly awesome first step for you, right? The first step that you could take is just saying, you know what? I'm just going to take a couple of days or I'm going to take a week and I'm going to choose to step out of my comfort zone and go on a mission trip. Now, some of you, you're like, you know what? The idea of getting on a plane and going to another country for a week or something like that, that just doesn't resonate with you, right? And that's okay. There are other opportunities. And these are just a couple that I found, right? But there are so many that you could get involved with. The next one is this. This is an organization called Kiva. And I talked to you a little bit um, a few minutes ago um, about the idea of, of people in the world who can't get things started because they don't have the funds, they don't have bank accounts. Kiva is, is sort of a microfinancing type organization where you actually make a loan to somebody on the other side of the world and they take your $50, they take your $100 or whatever that is, and they, they, they give it to somebody over there as a loan. And as they do that, that, that money goes so much further, right? So much further in other parts of the world. And it helps some of these entrepreneurs get started and get some of their ideas off the ground and get some companies started. Kiva is an easy way to do that on a limited budget, right? Kiva is that. So we'll go to the next one. And that's this, the Polaris Project. We're talking about human trafficking. Polaris has so many incredible opportunities to get involved with human trafficking, whether it's, you know, providing financial resources or getting involved with that. Polaris is a great way to do that. You can go to their website. I believe it's Polaris.com. And the last one is this, and this is a really easy one, especially when it comes to children. And that's Compassion International. And a lot of you have probably heard that. Anybody like Dave Barnes fans or Matt Wirtz, anybody like that? You got yeah, okay, a couple, yeah. Uh, so, so you go to these kind of places, and they have like the Mocha Club, they have these types of things, and there's so many easy ways to get involved uh, and that sort of thing. So I told you, I, I don't have all this together yet, and truthfully, this is probably one of the biggest things that I struggle with. So when Brad called me and he asked me to talk about it, I was like, yeah, I'm totally passionate about it. He's like, you know, you really want to talk about it? I was like, yeah, but I failed at it for like 23 years. You know, I didn't say that because I wanted him to actually 
you know, bring me in to speak. So as, as I did it, I was like, you know what? Yeah, I, I, I sort of, I sort of been feeling this for a very long time. And so I'll tell you a little bit just quickly, and then we're going to wrap things up about my story. After I talked to my friend Ryan after the passion thing, um, I decided that I was going to get involved in something. And for me, that was a big financial sacrifice at the time because I really do think that I made more money on my allowance than I was making um, during my first job. And so I decided to get involved uh, with Compassion International. And when I did that, um, actually, we're going to throw this up here. I think we have the name of the, the person that I started sponsoring is Pabudu, right? Which is an awesome name, Pabudu. That is awesome, right? And so I, would, I decided to get involved with that. It was like 35 bucks a month. And as I thought about it, that was the place in my life at the time where I thought, you know what? That is a very easy first step for me to get involved. That is an incredibly, incredibly easy first step for me just to take to get involved and do what I can do during this season of my life to get started. I've been sponsoring Pabudu now for a while, and I'll tell you, it feels kind of weird because I thought, you know, I'm giving money to a kid that I, I've never seen before. I get pictures, and you, know, you look at the pictures, and they're like, draw stuff, and there's this dual thing like, wow, that's, is that a tree? Like, what is that? You know, there's that sort of thing because he's like seven years old, and then you kind of look at it, you're like, wow, like you're in school because of people that have come together and give like 35 bucks a month. And 35 bucks a month for me was kind of the max that I could do at that time, right? But I did it, and I became involved in what was going on on the other side of the world, and I did what I could do for the person that I could do it for. And Pabudu, it's an interesting thing. It's a small step, but some of you just need to take one small step. If you're not involved in anything right now, I would just, I would beg you, right? Even if you're not a Christian, this isn't a Christian, not a Christian thing. This is just a person thing. I would encourage you to take one small step towards getting involved and for doing something for someone else that you can do it for. And so as we move forward, we're going to bring the band back up here in just a second, and I'm going to pray for us. But tonight, I'm going to ask you, right? And this is sort of a big kind of weird sort of challenge. You're going to hang out here for a while. I know you probably hang out here with your friends, and you're going to shuttle back. But as you go back to your dorm tonight, here's what I'm asking you to do before you go to bed tonight. If you're not involved in something, I'm just going to ask you to research it. You don't even have to look at these specific things. Some of you are going to sign up for a mission trip, and we hope you do that. But I'm just going to ask you to go, and tonight, just, just look. Just become aware of what's going on and become aware of some of the organizations that you could get a part of. And as you do it, I'm just going to ask you to think about what that one small step would be for you as you kind of move forward. So we're going to bring the band back up. We're going to sing for a little bit. Before we do, let me pray for us, and, uh, and then we're going to head out. Uh, Father, thank you so much for how much you love us. And God, we know that these problems don't surprise you. We know that um, this doesn't take you off guard. You know all that's going on in the world. But at the same time, God, you have invited us into these moments. God, to be a part of what you're doing and all over the globe. And for some of us, it's going to feel like a small contribution. For some of us, it may feel like a little bit bigger contribution. But at the same time, God, for those of us who have been waiting until we can make sure that it's going to be significant, Father, I just ask that you would just help us to stop waiting. And you would do something inside of our hearts that cause us to move forward and cause us to take one small step in the direction of partnering with you as you begin to solve some of these problems in our world through us. And so, Father, we ask that you would use us in a small part, in a small way to do that. And God, just help these students, help me to continually evaluate my life in some small way in what I'm doing globally with you. And God, help us to be willing to take those next steps tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.